Hey guys, uh, later in the episode you're going to hear us try to figure out the name of an organization. I think I call it the Tyler Project. It's actually the Trevor Project, which is an organization providing crisis intervention and suicide prevention uh, services to LGBTQ youth. Uh, if you want to learn more about that or help out or donate, that is the trevorproject.org. Okay, here's the episode. Yeah, the quality dropped a bunch, but it looks like it's coming back. Okay, give it a second to see if it evens out. All right. Have you been uh, surviving the uh, COVID environment? Oh, it's been very exciting. We uh, we haven't done a whole lot. We got bikes just to try to get something to get going and moving in the area. Because um, we, we moved down here exactly a month before everything shut down. So we've spent now, what, what's it been, three months of this? Yeah, three years, but uh, so it's been we spent more time in this environment than we haven't since we've been down here. But it's been, it's been fine. I mean, where we're at, there's enough stuff to do. At least trails get around, and that it's not really a too big of a deal right now. But where'd you get your uh, where'd you snag your bikes from? Did oh man, it was a local chain, David's Bicycle World or something. Okay. Yeah. That's, yeah. Yeah, I got one on uh, bikesdirect.com. You ever hear of that? No, I haven't. It's a, it's just like a discount bike place, and I, w- I took it to a local shop, and they slapped it together for me for uh, 50 bucks. And the guy told me, um, this is a pretty good frame. He said, this is a Fuji frame. I don't, huh. know, what, I don't know what a Fuji frame is, but yeah. you know, he seemed to think it was something. And I guess these companies just buy them and slap their name on them and sell them under their brand. So I got a pretty good bike for, I don't know, it's probably a couple hundred bucks. Nice. All in maybe 250, 300 bucks for oh, a wow. decent road bike that I don't ride anymore because <laughs> I'm just, I have a baby and I'm lazy. Yeah, it's <laughs> it's tough, like getting into a routine and just like, I mean, right now it's easy for us because we have nothing and we, you know, she's not working yet. I haven't touched a plane in uh, two months. And uh, <laughs> so it's just, we've got, yeah, we've got nothing but time. And uh, we haven't really used a lot of it, to be honest. But no, oh, I feel you. Yeah. Well, uh, let me uh, let me knock an intro out of the, out of the way here. Um, uh-huh. Just real quick, uh, this is much ado about nothing. It's a podcast. Congrats, you found it. I know it's been forever, and you mentioned that there wasn't any push because, well, whenever this happened, uh, I, I don't I don't know what happened, man. I I listened to. Um, I usually listen to like a lot of podcasts, and I, I was like reading every day, taking in a lot of content, and then the COVID-19 environment happened, right? And I was listening to an episode of Sawbones, which if you haven't listened to Sawbones, it's a McElroy product. Go listen to a great podcast. And the great Dr. Sidney McElroy uh, put it a way that I hadn't thought to put it, where in the COVID environment, whether you're aware of it or not, you're probably undergoing some sort of trauma. And, you know, if whether you're stressed about the actual COVID-19 itself or in our chosen uh, profession our industry it was am i going to have a job um that which is 
pretty damn stressful if I do say so myself. Um, right now, you know, things are probably looking up. So that's why there wasn't a push because as a result of that, I just locked down. I have no idea. My buddy uh, David over at the Geek Garage said he had like a similar effect. There was like no drive to do anything creative. I stopped reading. Um, I stopped listening to podcasts. Like I was just 100% of my mind was focused on, oh shit, am I going to not have a job? So that's why it was. Yeah, I'm sorry about that. I, oh, no, no, just, I, not at all. I just, I, I was just kind of, you know, hanging out. I knew I was kind of the tertiary part side of it anyways that um, I just wasn't sure. And uh, yeah, tertiary, tertiary nothing, bud. You're my, you're my number one. Oh, look at that. I, I say that to all of them. <laughs> <laughs> no, but that was, even if you're not like actively thinking about it, uh, the way she put it is it's always going in like in the background. Mm. it's just working back there in your subconscious. And that's the truth, man. Cause even though things are looking up and I feel uh, pretty secure, you know, I think where you are, you're probably going to be just fine too, because you know, inter- international and uh, business travel are changed forever. I think Oh yeah. le- le- leisure domestic, I think is going to bounce back and we're showing that um, we're already at what 85% capacity, I think was the last number. And that's about what we're doing. I think 86 is what our local chief pilot said. And, um, by July, we're going to be at 70% of our normal flights. Isn't that crazy? Which is, and, you know, and then you got to consider too, is how many we have canceled from going down South because all those countries, they're locking us out. It's not the other right. way around right now. Right. Um, so yeah, it's, uh, cautiously optimistic. I think is, you know, my way, the, the only thing that I'm disappointed at is I had an opportunity to upgrade right before we moved <laughs> and I didn't because of the move. I wasn't the thing though, is like, I, you had, we had no idea this was going to happen. And I, you know, I was, I did not have the time to study to put that effort out. So I can't really get mad over it. But now it could be a potential of three years before, you know, which whatever. It's I mean, even in the right seat, if you math it out and you're able to actually work, you're doing fine. Oh, right? yeah. 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 I'm, I mean, I'm not even chasing an upgrade right now because I don't want the quality of life to just deplete. And that's kind of the thing. I that's why I didn't as a big part of it too. Is that like I'm I'm ninth in base here. I can get pretty much any schedule I want. And you know where people were in Chicago, which it's a lot worse there because there's there's no growth because of how jam packed O'Hare is. But people are sitting on reserve now for three four years when it used to be six to eight months. So yeah, I'm good with it. You know we're secure, we're stable. That I mean we could afford to go to Disney and Universal and do all the stuff we want to do and not be, you know, strapped. Yeah. Yeah. I know. But, um, yeah, speaking of that, um, so you recently went, I followed you on uh, Facebook and I texted you about it cause I was super jealous cause I saw you, you sent me pictures of you at, um, Harry Potter world and, uh, I see your hat there. So you must've at least made at least one trip to Disney. I like that. What does that say? The people mover? It is. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Um, yeah, so Disney's not open yet. They, they still have another month from uh, the July 11th is they're going to be their first official opening date. Uh-huh. Um, but we went over to Disney Springs, um, which has opened up for a few weeks now, which is where I got the hat. But uh, yeah, so Universal opened on the third open up for passholder previews, which is when we went and then they officially opened on the fifth. Um, from what I've seen, things are I mean, shockingly normal all things considered um the big things are masks are 100 percent required they're strict on it um you have to do a temperature check when you come in um and outside you know they in the lines 
they'll have the six foot spaces out everywhere. A lot of the bigger rides like the Harry Potter rides all have virtual queues you have to sign up for. Um, and then yeah. when, How, how's that work real quick? Let me stop you there. Cause I, I'm interested in that. The virtual queue process. What does that look like? So it's an app based thing. So the universal has their own app. And what you do is you pick the ride and you say, I want to join a virtual queue and it gives you a time frame. Now, what it does is, okay, so let's say you're going to check in between, you know, you at 3.30, and I think you have like a half hour to show up or an hour. Then you do get in line, but you're talking like a 30-minute wait, and it's really to prevent mass amounts of people in there when they can't fill those spaces currently because they're having people six feet apart. And then when you also consider the how the queues work when it's zigzagging across – you can't do six feet in each lane because you're going to have people standing next to each other. So you're only talking two or three people per row. Um, It's on a first come first serve basis. Um, It's something that needs to be ironed out because they always had a virtual queue system for a few rides. Um, I think fast and the furious had it. The Jimmy Fallon ride experience had it. Um, And a couple others now almost all of their top tier rides have it so every harry potter ride did um the ones i mentioned and i think a couple others we actually weren't able to get any when we were there um that was one thing that they i feel like we're pretty well informed i actually wasn't aware of it at the time until we actually got in the park for the the new hagrid's roller coaster which that's like the ride to go on okay they're in a virtual queue so we tried to sign up for it there was no spots available makes sense it's the most popular ride there by a long shot well then we find out the other ones did too and we they were just out of spots at the time um they would refresh them in a given time so it's not like you check in at 9 a.m and you may not be able to get until 4 p.m i think they would release it in blocks but none of the employees really understood the timing of it yet because it was such a new thing yeah so yeah well that's i mean once they get that ironed out, do you think there could be an efficiency there that could maybe be capitalized on? You have way more experience yeah. um, with this sort of thing than I do. I know Disney, almost everything's app-based, or it's run through the magic band for all your payment stuff. Right. And that's That seems like they've really figured out the most efficient way to do things. I wonder if Universal will see how this goes and be able to take something away from that and maybe adopt some of those same uh, technology inputs into their program or into their uh, system. I think so. It's, you know, because so at Disney, the whole concept of fast passes are free. Um, They have their whole system with if you're staying on property, you can book them 60 days out. Anyone else can book them 30 days out as long as you have a ticket. Um, The only ride that Disney's ever had in any type of virtual queue is the new Star Wars ride, Rise of the Resistance. Uh Um, Now they're going to be in a full on reservation system, too. Universal, though, their fast passes have always been paid, which is still an option. So we saw some people that have um, their fast pass option. Um, I, I cannot remember what the name of it is off the top of my head, but it's a per day basis that you pay for that you can skip to the front of any line. Um, it's except for the Hagrid motorbike. So the system can be good in terms of, for one, just limiting people in there. Because I think the, one of the biggest complaints people have at a theme park is waiting in lines. Of course. What this does is it gives you an option to say, okay, I know that I'm going to ride this ride at 3.30 so we can go do something else now. Or it'll free up for, say, hey, we can go get lunch or we can do this or that or something we wouldn't have done otherwise. 
instead of waiting in a line for two hours. So I do agree that it's a great system. Um, it just needs to have, again, some ironing out in terms of a little more clear in terms of how they release those blocks of time um, because it can get confusing otherwise. Yes, it, it, even in that just little bit you told me, I'm learning. Full disclosure, I've been to Disney um, a handful of times. I'm not super experienced, even though I live so close. And now that we have a baby, um, we want that to be the thing with our kid because yeah. we can drive there. Um, it's relatively cheap to stay like off property if you really want to ball out, sure, stay at a resort every now and then. But sure. um, Universal, I've been to one time i've been to city walk a few times in my younger days and my wilder days we would go to city walk you know with all the bars and stuff oh yeah yeah, yeah sure i <laughs> know we went to um universal for halloween horror nights um yeah. which is the most anxiety inducing experience oh, you could yeah. possibly throw yourself into have you ever done that yes once back when i was instructing down here um yeah it's insane. like I'm, I'm not a big horror fan in general um i enjoyed it but it is like the fog the constant flashing lights screaming yelling like it's it's a lot and here's uh, here's here's what i did like hmm. i did like the big haunted houses like that year it was uh stranger things was the new season of course around every halloween i think but hmm. uh before that it may have been like i don't know what the big horror thing was but the ones that they put the effort the money and the theatrics into it was cool oh i, li- I like that i don't like jump scare walk yes. in the dark room jump scare Walking jumps that drives me insane. Even when you got to go to the bathroom and pee or go order a drink, jump scare, jump scare. Like if you, if for anybody that actually happens to stumble across this show in the ether, if you actually go to Halloween Horror Nights in Universal and you're just walking around in the park, there's different areas where they may have a different theme. They may have like a clown theme, evil scary clowns, or people walking around with chainsaws that run and chase you around, and they will like harass you. And it's to me, I didn't like that, but we went. Um, a year or two ago, maybe it was last year, but we ducked into Harry Potter world. And I don't know um, which area of the park it was, but we went on the Gringotts ride. So whichever uh, area that's in, again, I'm not super familiar, but we waited in line, maybe less than 30 minutes Mm -hmm. on a, on a normal day, just walking up. So if you're willing to, uh, to um, submit yourself to that anxiety inducing experience and actually duck in there, that was actually kind of not of a bad, not a bad way to do it. We got to go to Ollivander's. I got a wand. I got a Luna Lovegood's wand behind me. That's the one I chose because she, she was my favorite character in the in the books and the movies. And it, it, we got to see some cool stuff. Now we didn't get to like stay and like experience the whole thing. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, it was, it was kind of a neat little taste for me. I honestly didn't want to go in, but I wasn't going to pass up the chance because if I want to do something, I want to you know freaking do it right oh absolutely yeah i don't want to just go in for five minutes because that's just going to make me mad and i'm going to be upset that i didn't get to see all the stuff i want to see but it was kind of cool to hop on the green guts ride and uh see all of anders and walk walk down i guess it was diagon alley but it was it, it was a cool experience but for you you've been how many times would you say so to universal actually not a ton um so we signed up back in february we've only been there maybe four times since um it was just yeah oh yeah i know i guess to say compared to disney because we went a ton like the first month before it shut down um yeah it's it's something that especially with the harry potter world there's so much attention to detail there that you could spend five minutes at every storefront just to see what is going on in terms of things that were mentioned once in the books not even never made it to the movies and it's in there and it's shown and it's pretty crazy um 
but yeah, it's it's really impressive in terms of what you see. Yeah, and I'm, I'm sure too that like you go into a place like that for five minutes, it just makes you wish that. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I was just, I was just kind of mad that we didn't get to stay longer, you know, because that I want to go there just for that, and I want to spend a couple days there if I can. Yeah. But so you've been a few times. How many times have you been uh, post COVID? So how many times in the before times did you go before this shit fell apart here? So sorry. So before everything fell apart, did I, how many times? So how many, how many times have you been since COVID? Just the since one? COVID, um, once because it's only been open for six days. Oh yeah, you're right. So you did mention that. So it's only been open a few days. So when you went um, to uh, Universal post COVID time, was there anything that you liked to do that was impacted by the new COVID procedures that you didn't get to do, like dining experiences or? Well, okay. So. One of the big change, you know, differences between Universal and Disney, I think a, a big thing is dining. Where at Disney, there's so much more ingrained in everything in terms of the, the restaurants and the dining plans and the sit down. I I've only ever eaten at Universal once, which is at the Harry Potter um, in one of the restaurants. I think it was the Leaky Cauldron, yeah. and it was cool. Um, it was fun, but so from the dining side of it, from what I saw, um, they all the sit-down restaurants appeared to be open from what I could see. There were a few counter service restaurants that were closed when we were there. But again, this was a pass holder preview day. So they were expecting maybe lower crowds that maybe they weren't going to full capacity on it. Um, outside of that, from the from the food side of things, all the typical little walk-up counters where you can get your pretzels, hot dogs, drinks, that kind of thing, those all seem to be open. Um, Every ride was open, including the water rides, um, which was something I wasn't expecting. Can everything that was the only we went on the Jurassic Park boat ride, and there they actually had you take your mask off when you were on it, because if the mask gets soaked, then it kind of takes away the purpose of you know of having it on. Um, but outside of that, that was the thing I was shocked about was how normal things were if you minus really the masks and the social distancing aspect of it. Characters were out. Um, you know, people in costumes, you had a guy like Doc Brown up on a um, train hanging out, interacting with people. It, it was really, it wasn't as different as I was expecting it to be in terms of what, you know, what you have, like the mindset I had coming in, in terms of the mental image of, you know, post quarantine, everyone wearing masks, uh, you know, for the time, you know, at least for temporary, a very different world than what it was a couple months ago. Yeah it really did feel normal. There was a normalcy to it in terms of how, you know, you, you're still riding the rides. You're still, you know, it was still the experience of what they expect from like a Disney universal thing in terms of how they have a guest experience. And I think they did a good job with that. Um, and I think that's going to be something that people that may be more inclined to go. Now, one thing I'll say is that when we went, it was 83 degrees and cloudy so it wasn't terrible. If you, you know, and today, I think the heat index is about 102. To be out wearing a mask in that, that's right. going to impact, you know, that's going to impact. It is. It's it's uh, it's hot. You're not getting that airflow. That it's not a fun time when you're walking around like that. They do have relief areas where you can sit and take them off. So for the time being, you know, if you were to say, okay, I want to go on vacation and I want to go to Disney and Universal. Let's say it's a month from now when Disney's open up it's going to be tough for a family to justify spending four or $5,000 to come down here where 
on a normal day, you know, okay, I just spent all this money. We're going to spend 12 hours at the parks because we're going to get our money's worth, especially with kids. That's going to be pretty tough to handle that with the heat and the masks as a combination. Um, so I think that's going to be something that people are going to need to keep in mind for just going period. For us, it's a no big deal because we can go for three, four hours. We were there for six and it was a non-issue, but go in the evening or, or just go on the day that we think the weather's going to be better. That's fine. Um, so it's definitely going to be an interesting dynamic for the next few months. And I noticed uh, the glasses too. That was, I'm sure that's an issue when you have the mask on and the glasses. Cause even when I'm wearing sunglasses and I'm breathing with it on, it just fogs it up completely. I can't oh. see a damn, I can't see a damn thing. Yeah. I wear it, uh, I wear it in the terminal, uh, around passengers when it's all crowded and stuff. But as soon as I step out, go into the airplane, we have, um, uh, a lot of outdoor uh, ramps, not yeah. a lot of gates. Right. So I won't wear it outside, but when I have my sunglasses on and I walk out with it, it's like looking through just a thick, thick fog. I, I can't, I can't have glasses on. So I, people with glasses that have to wear them, I can't imagine how difficult and a pain in the ass that must be. It, when you're out and the temperature is constant, it's a non-issue. But when you're going from inside, when it's air conditioned and outside, and if it's hot and humid, that's when it gets to fog up pretty bad. Um, the mask that I have has a metal clip near the nose that kind of pinches in a bit that actually keeps some of the air from coming up. So, yeah, so 90% of the time, it's it's gotten a lot. But I've, in terms of I found the right place to put it on my face, where to put the metal clip thing, it's just, it's just built into the cloth that it hasn't been a problem. But a lot of the standard masks are pretty rough with them. Um, but now the, the thing to keep in mind is, like, okay, let's say you're going on a ride like Gringotts. You know, you're still going to be in line for probably 20 to 30 minutes before you get on. Because even on the ride vehicle, they're only doing every other row um, to keep the social distancing, keeping people spaced out and everything. So you're going to have enough time for the temperature to regulate that it's not going to be an issue in terms of enjoying a ride. Now, any ride, you're going to be inside long enough that the temperature is going to regulate. It did not impact the enjoyment of any ride we went on. we had fun. We were on some faster rides, some slower rides. It, you know, the, those their whole system there in terms of how the Disney and Universal rides are built are to be immersive and kind of take you out of the moment. And it still doesn't. So it wasn't something we thought of when we were going on. Now, when you walk back outside, it's like getting hit in the face with the uh, the heat and the humidity and your glasses fogging up and everything. But it, again, I, that was the thing just with the entire experience shocked me with just how normal it felt. Just getting that kind of semblance of normalcy of anything compared to how it's been the last few months was kind of nice to see. Yeah, and I, I've been um, noticing that in my job, and I know you have in yours, the, and I'm going to throw up air quotes here, the normalcy of it, even though 40-plus yeah. million Americans, I think, uh, the latest report at the time we record this, uh, Americans were out of work. Mm-hmm. Um, but this the stock market I've been paying attention to just isn't reflecting that. And I think it's because we're just printing money and pumping it into the market that's keeping it afloat. So I think eventually there will come a tipping point um, in the market, which will probably cause a lot of concern for a lot of people, I'm sure. But as far as like um, places opening back up, uh, air travel picking back up, I've been watching, um, I keep up with the stock market pretty much every day because I'm trying to learn more and educate mm-hmm. myself, but I've been uh, watching Disney stock and um, other entertainment industries like uh, Caesars and MGM and Wynn and everybody else who's publicly traded. And as we get closer to things opening up, like Vegas, which is a big deal for us, um, 
in Disney, uh, I noticed that that stock start to move and I see buyers start to step in. And even I, I bought into Disney um, yesterday mm-hmm. and uh, I saw a slight pullback today, but it's like I, I'm hoping that it's going to pop again. So I think that people are who are paying attention to things like that are starting to see a little optimism. Um, but if you're trading in the market, it's usually emotions, usually not part of it. You're just looking at price movement. But when you were at Disney, um, most, or you said you went to Disney Springs. Yeah. Um, what did you do there? Um, so we went the first day it opened just because we wanted to get out and do something. Um, when they first opened, they didn't have much open at all. Um, all the Disney owned shops and restaurants were shut down. Still, they opened up a week later. We ended up just going to a restaurant and having dinner and just kind of walking around um, because where we live, there isn't really like a town square hangout, walk around, which you're not going to hang out anyways in the current climate. Um, just something to walk around. Now, what with how much they've expanded now, it's about 80% open, I would say there. So you have all the Disney owned restaurants are open. About 80% of their shops are open of the third party. Cause I think Disney Springs is considerably third party. Now it used to be all Disney owned. Um, that's not the case anymore. So it's about 75% third party with shopping and restaurants. So just walking around, getting food. Um, it just, yeah, just to get something to get out of the, the apartment. Yeah, I, I, we went to uh, Disney Springs last year uh, for a friend's birthday, and we did the Void, um, the Void experience. Yeah, have you done that? I haven't, and I really want to. Um, highly, highly recommend. Yeah, did, we you, did, what the, did you do the Star Wars one? The Star Wars one, yep. We did the Star Wars one. Super cool. And, and if anybody uh, doesn't know what that is or if you're thinking about it, fucking do it. It's like this whole immersive VR experience helmet back for us. It was a backpack with a blaster because you were a stormtrooper, and they send you out into like this. I'm sure it's just a room with plywood and um, drywalled walls, right? But they have this whole experience for you. You're in space. You're fighting monsters. When you come across like a lava world, they blast heat in your face and you feel airflow. And it's like this. It's so freaking cool. I I think the the next one was um, Marvel, uh, a Marvel, um, product that was coming out i don't know what it was and uh what else did we do we ate at guy fieri's restaurant nice. uh, under <laughs> underwhelming i i am a fan of guy fieri but uh, his 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 uh, chicken tenders didn't blow my mind and it wasn't worth the uh, the weight in my opinion but if i could if i could have just walked up to a cart and gotten some of those chicken tendies it would have been worth it but the the time we waited for the product we got it was good but it wasn't worth the wait i cannot agree with you more we waited like a half hour to order it yeah and they were they were fine they were you know like you said he's a he's a good person philanthropist donates a ton and yeah you know but it was uh very average well everybody else was probably so stoked about those delicious delicious chicken tenders and a fan of guy fieri himself they just probably all ran to it we went i, I don't know how long the restaurant had been open uh, mm-hmm. when that happened but it wasn't that long i don't it probably less than a year i would think okay. it had been there so it's probably still pretty fresh yeah pretty- yeah my uh when we moved in my dad helped us move in he's big into the, all the disney stuff too and that's where he wanted to go because he watches the show and everything and same thing it was fine you know yeah it, it didn't blow my mind what about um so disney opens up on you said the 11th yes they're doing magic kingdom and animal kingdom the 11th and epcot and hollywood studios in the 14th Officially, I, I they said there's going to be some type of passholder preview, which I assume is going to be before that, but they haven't really mentioned that yet. Yeah, so 
so you said you're, do you feel like you're pretty informed on um, yeah. the stuff that's going on? So what are, um, what are some of the changes uh, you anticipate or th- have they told you as a pass holder? Do you get any kind of uh, special email updates or anything? Yeah. So they, what they've been putting out is it's going to be a very different system for the time being. Um, for some of the big stuff is there's be no fireworks, no parades, no character meets. Um, they, on a, on a per, yeah, which is pretty significant. Again, same thing in terms of when you consider a family coming down for a vacation, um, when you're paying that amount of money to have those type of restrictions, it's going to be, hey, do we want to spend this right now? Also, for the again, for at least for the next few months, they're going to be on a reservation system on a per day basis. So even me as a pass holder, I can't just show up and say I'm coming in. Um, you have to. I they have not released any information yet of how those um, reservations are going to work, but you'll basically say, okay, I want to go this day. You check in and say this is when I'm going to go. Um, they don't have if it's going to be a time frame yet or how any of that's going to work. Um, they just know that it's going to be a, hey, you buying a ticket doesn't mean you're going to get in on a given day. Um, outside of the first couple of days, because, you know, everybody wants to get in, um, I think it's going to be a non-issue. Universal has been pretty empty from what I've seen so far. Uh, we may go, I'm starting back flying on Friday and uh, we may go again beforehand. We're not sure yet but they've been dead because you're not getting the vacationers yet. For one, it just opened six days ago, really four days ago, if you consider the actual official opening. But I think for the time being, Disney's doing this on purpose to slow things up, to limit everything that's going on for really to get everything back on its feet, to transition into hopefully opening more. Now, when you consider looking at the news in terms of cases skyrocketing, um, with everything reopening, there's a lot to look into it in terms of <laughs> who could how, have seen who could have seen that yeah, coming. I, phew, not me, <laughs> you, know, you know. But now again, there, there's there's got to be a look into it in terms of the increased testing going on. Yes, yes. It's really going to be looking at uh, the yeah. death is really the best way, unfortunately. To yeah, I, anybody who's listened to the previous episodes, you know, kind of kind of which way everybody on this show is going to lean, uh, but. <laughs> And I'm going to try not to inject that too much, but for better or for worse, we're opening and we're just going to have to do our best to adapt. I I tend to be of the view that obviously this is a serious, serious concern. Mm -hmm. Um, I feel, I don't know how it is in your environment. I I would assume it's pretty much the same, but I feel very blessed to work with so many amateur epidemiologists Um, when, when they're not, when they're not financial advisors, they're epidemiologists. Right. Mm -hmm. But for better or for worse, we're opening. Um, I know we can't, keep ourselves locked in and keep printing money because that was extremely terrible. But as far as opening, it's, it's interesting to see how these major companies and major entertainment industries are actually trying to approach this. Like how do we do this the right way? Because we can't stay inside forever because a lot of jobs depend on this, you know? Right. And and that's something that when you look at the grand scheme of things, when you look at a theme park, that's one of the mo- least important things going on in this country right now with, you know, every speck of news that's happening right that said you know the you can talk about the whole concept of an escape of what people want to burn off steam have fun really though at least in terms of from just from the focus on the virus itself from what i've seen at disney and what i saw at universal i feel safer there than i do going to a grocery store because when i go to a store here they don't require a mask 
maybe 30%, 40% of people are wearing them. Um, there's no social distancing. There's no anything. You know, they're cleaning the carts. They, they are doing, I'm not going to say I'm not going to take anything away from the, the store. They are making an effort. Sure. Um, but when you go to a place like this, where they know, at least at, at a place like Disney Universal, you don't have to go. So they're more strict on it of, okay, you don't want to wear a mask. You don't need to come in. And they will outright not let you in if you don't wear one. Um, when we were walking around the parks at Universal, even if people had it hanging over their, like below their nose, they would cor- correct them. And, wow. you know, it was the only time you were allowed to have it off is if you were eating or drinking or in one of those designated areas, which you could argue defeats the whole purpose of the masks to begin with. But at the same time, sure. when it's yeah. a heat index of 100 degrees, it can be rough. It can be uncomfortable. It's, you know, all, you know, all those things. But they they were i was impressed by how strict they were um when we walked around at universal i maybe saw five people the entire day not wearing one and and you know there's not going to be a cast member you know every 10 feet to enforce it but they were they were strict on it they were when we were getting on the rides okay you got to leave it on the whole time um i I think in one of the rides we went on someone took it off apparently because we heard over the loudspeaker keep your mask on um (laughs) At Disney Springs, they had stormtroopers up on some balconies uh, talking to people. And, really? Yeah, it was actually it was pretty funny. So it was like two stormtroopers hanging out, and then they started complaining about their helmets, saying that it was so hot and everything. And then, and then they're like, oh, look at those face coverings. Those are great. I wish we could have those. We could breathe a lot better. <laughs> That's pretty clever. I like it that. Was good, you know, it was a good way of doing it without being, you know, because the whole premise of what a stormtrooper is, they, they did it in a way that was funny and lighthearted and was not feeling like, you know, they're being over the top with it. But just to find a way to keep any lightheartedness to it, which they did a good job. They had people at Universal outside the gates complimenting designs that people had or just anything to to keep the focus on the positive aspect of it, which was it was good. It was nice to see. Well, that, you got to have that. You want people to have a good time so they come back and they don't report negative. No, Nobody's having fun in this. Right. right? It was, no, it was, nobody's enjoying having to to alter our behaviors because well we're selfish and we love our things and we want to behave a certain we want to do what we want to do but mm-hmm. we don't like it when people tell us what to do that's yeah. just our nature and that's fine but it's pretty cool that they were finding a i would expect nothing less from disney yeah, oh, to be so, to be honest it's yeah. it's it's they always put so much thought into everything mm-hmm. you, you go into the parks and it's just everything's fucking immaculate like if you're unfortunate enough to have never been if you can just scrape together a way to go, it, it, it'll blow your mind. The first time I went, I was probably 21 in the good graces of, by the graces of somebody else, I got to go. Right. And it, I almost, I almost fucking cried when I saw like the inside. It was like, cause I didn't get to go as a kid. We were fucking, you know, we we're working class, man. We got food and clothes and transportation and that, that was good enough. We didn't take, you know, vacations to Disney, things like that. But ever since then I've been, that time maybe like two other times but it's been like quick trips to like epcot or we took a trip to um i I took a trip to uh, hollywood studios and that's probably um what i'm most looking forward to uh when i get to go back um i have a baby so we're probably just gonna do like epcot food and wine festival or something like that yeah if 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 it works out in the current environment if you know things don't uh break bad once we open everything back up but i want to go back to um hollywood studios uh the first thing i rode when I went was the tower of terror Mm -hmm. that blew my mind. 
it's they projected ghosts onto the fog and the whole thing and that really sealed the deal for the disney experience for me oh yeah that, that killed and the rock and roller coaster was amazing um what, what's your favorite spot where do you like to go what's well, your favorite thing if you're talking hollywood it, it's the star wars land now it's yeah, i haven't seen that it's unbelievable it, so until the Star Wars land opened up, I thought the Harry Potter worlds in both parks Universal were honestly better than anything Disney's ever done. I've heard and that. that. That lit a fire under Disney of like, holy crap, this is the first time. It's not that, you know, people would go to Orlando to go to Disney and then, they, oh, we'll go to Universal for a day or two, whatever. Now it was like people are going to, Univer- or to Orlando just to go to the Harry Potter thing. Yep. So they're like, we need to figure this out. And they can't do Marvel on the East Coast. There's some weird... Uh, agreement with when they bought marvel since universal has spider-man the hulk and all that in the parks already east of the mississippi disney cannot put anything marvel in their parks really no attractions they have in disney springs they have some stores that sell stuff but um for one you definitely cannot have attractions for shopping i'm not 100 percent sure in the parks but they're they're they are doing a marvel land at california adventure but on the east coast they can't do anything right now so were you were you just being colloquial when you said east of the Mississippi, or is that the literal line? Because that is amazing. I believe that actually is. I, I, that, that <laughs> article way back in terms of what was maybe said in the actual wording, in case they tried to open up a different park or who knows what. But yeah, it's uh, so. <laughs> to, get, to get back to the Star Wars thing, the Star Wars stuff is. It's just unbelievable. The, the the new ride, they have two new rides. There's the Millennium Falcon Smuggler's Run. It's where you are flying the Millennium Falcon. You have two pilots, two gunners, and two engineers, and you actually are controlling it. You're flying around, you're shooting. Now, it's following a, a, a path that you're moving within it, and you can't lose because it's Disney. Sure. But, you know, it changes, though, depending on your score. So if you win and everything looks great, the guy's t- talking to you, saying how good of a job you did, you walk out, everything's immaculate. Or if you were flying into stuff, getting shot to hell, when you come out, there's, like, holes flashing in the ceiling, there's sparks and stuff that it looks <laughs> like you just destroyed the thing. That's cool. It's, it's fun. It's not. It's a very cool ride, but it's nothing that's groundbreaking. The other one, though, Rise of the Resistance, is a... From the time that you get through the line, because there it's only a virtual queue because every day the line would be six hours long otherwise. So from the time that you start to the time that you get off, it's about a 20-minute total experience. Um, it starts off with a full-on, it's a full animate or not animated, um, animatronic BB-8 rolls out and starts talking to you even though you can't understand it. Um, and then there's, they use the hologram technology like they used for when they did the Michael Jackson and Tupac thing, where it's an actual hologram of Ray shows up, talks to you, you go through, then you get on a ship that it's like you're taking off and there's animatronics in there and then you get intercepted. Then you end up opening up into a massive hangar where there's like 80 animatronic stormtroopers and they're walking you through like you're being arrested by the first order. And then they put you on a cart and then you end up getting rescued and you're, zooming through this car through the ship getting shot at by like ATATs and lightsabers are cutting through the ceiling and there's more animatronics and explosions and it's just it's unbelievable it's the best theme park ride that's ever been created and everything else is worse just existing next to it in all honesty that's why i'm so jealous that you live so close because i want to like get into that and do stuff like that but even living like down here where i'm at it's nearby but it's still a bit of a journey like 
we did it we did a day trip and it's just too much yeah you gotta wake up early you gotta experience the day and yep. then you got to uh drive back and it's just i can't it's I, just I far to... enough yeah that you can't for what for how early you have to get up and how late you'd have to leave um when i was instructing the chinese students um when i was flight instructing i had to deal with them because they weren't allowed to drive when they were here that if you got your private pilot's license i would t- i wouldn't pay for you but i'd take you to disney so all my students got that got through and then one of my friends his two students got through as well so we took six of them down one day we left you know we were only 45 minutes north but we left at about 6 30. we got there to open at eight o'clock we went and we did all four parks in one day um <laughs> what? It was, uh, you know and we basically told him listen you know it's at a very expensive you know for a park hopper i think at the time this was in 2013 was about 120. uh it's up to about 170 now for a, i think a one day park hopper um we we did all four part we did animal kingdom then we did hollywood epcot then magic kingdom um they want i think they wanted to leave by about 6 p.m because they just were used to it we were going like once a week just to hang out for a few hours but it's it's a it's an investment in time as well because you're just putting so much into it you got to get you know what you're you can. right but yeah. I, I i'm afraid to stay on property because a luxury once experienced is now required and I know as, as soon as I as soon as I taste those sweet sweet juices of Disney property staying, I'm just gonna want it right. When there's a, I know there's a Hilton nearby that's pretty popular if you're if you play the credit card points game. Yeah. Like, uh, people love doing like Hilton properties and things like that. That's one of, through a Chase I think. If you happen to be curious about the credit card rewards points uh, programs, Chase uh, last I knew had some of the best ones going. But yeah, looking forward to that. Yeah. It's, you know, and there's a few uh, off-property hotels now that you can get the early fast pass bookings and you're getting like the, you're getting the perks of staying on property without actually staying on property. Are they Disney owned or third party? No, they're third party. Yeah. It's, uh, there's a bunch of them right off of Disney Springs. Um, It's various. I think there's a, I actually have no idea with which ones they are, but there's like five or six of them in total that are not Disney owned that you can still stay there and get the perks of it without necessarily spending the money. Yeah. And I, I won't try to put you on the spot and press you on that, but I, I, I do want to look into that because it's, <laughs> she's our daughter. Uh, she's eight months this month on the 17th. So on her one year in October, we were talking about coming up and doing the uh, food and wine yeah. at uh, Epcot. Um, I don't know if that'll happen. We'll see. We still want to do it. And I got uh, Michael Thomas. I don't know if you ever actually talked to him, but he's one of our guys here. Mm-hmm. Um, he wanted to come down and do it too. So that'll probably be my next uh, Disney experience. Um, probably going to stay out there um, if we're going to do the food and wine thing. Yeah. Uh, for <laughs> for reasons uh, which we might talk about later. But um, yeah, aside from that, I, I got to look into other people that have kids and who do Disney regularly. And there's a ton of podcasts out there who probably focus on and have episodes on uh, things like this, but um, appropriate activities to do different stages. When they're a baby, everything's hard. But yeah. like when they, when they start toddling and they can actually start doing attractions and character meets and things like that, I, I got to start looking into that. And that's going to be cool. And obviously, I'll invite you guys along and tell you when we're going to be out there if you happen to be in town. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Or, you know, if 
if ever I, I do happen to have the the, the uh, privilege of meeting the missus, she's obviously welcome to come out and hang out too. Uh, yeah. what, is she working at the time at the uh, at the moment? No, um, she just finished college back in December, um, so she came down and you know right as she started to look for jobs. You know, yeah. COVID happened and uh, oh, that wow. fell apart. So we haven't even, she hasn't even been looking at the time because there's no point right now. You know, give it a few months and kind of see where we can get her with that. And it's, but you, you've actually met her before back a long time ago when we were still yeah. at our previous airline. Um, yeah. We were um, out on a trip somewhere and I think I ran into you and Blake. And uh, yeah. so like, like I, I remember that was in Chicago, wasn't it? Yeah, it was probably 2015 ish. I want to say. Um, I I kind of. Did you hear that? No. No, that's <laughs> I think I'm having a stroke. I kind of I kind of remember her. Uh, I don't tell her that because it'll seem rude. But I I can I can kind of remember uh, what she looked like. Mm. Um. But yeah. We. Yeah. It's and that's a thing for us in terms of of the information we take in um, as being childless millennials is what they like to call it. Um, We follow more of the resources for that because we don't have kids yet. And it's uh, that information isn't as pertinent for us, but there's a lot of resources out there for families and, and how they plan those trips in terms of nap times. And they have the child swap and most of the rides that, you know, you guys can go through and, not have to worry about not getting on everything. And, yeah. You know, I, I had a, I have a guy that I, I fly with semi regularly and he recently took a Disney cruise. Mm-hmm. You ever looked into that? We have, we haven't done it yet. Um, talk about money. Oh God. Yeah. I've, I've heard it's pretty outrageous. Um, but I've also heard that it's just they're just like everything else they do is just head and shoulders above everybody else. Oh God, it, it's like I said, a luxury once experience now required. It's supposed to be amazing. Like, <clears throat> forget going on a carnival ever again. That's basically like the Walmart of cruises after you experience something at that level. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. We. The, I've only been on one cruise in my life, and it was a carnival when I was seventeen. Me too. Yeah. Was probably the worst time to do it because we were too old for the kid stuff, and too young for the adult stuff that we had. Yep. Brothers and yeah. I, we have nothing to do, and uh, I haven't had a big desire to go since. But with the Disney ones, from everything I've heard, it's supposed to be just, again, just great. It's supposed to be freaking immaculate. Maybe we can set that up in the future sometime when we're old and rich. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> Scrape together a few coins to actually get on one of those things. <laughs> I looked into it, man. It was because I, I was seriously wanting to go. But this guy that I was talking to, he's like a tenure captain. You know, he's yeah. he's doing just fine. Mm-hmm. You know, so he he never wanted for much, I'm sure. But yeah, now they've got the Star Wars hotel they're working on, and the uh, I read about this. The the rumors of the price for that are going to be. I mean, this is only a two night experience, and they're talking potentially up to three thousand dollars a person. Get the fuck out of here! And it's a so you you come in on sometime on like let's say Friday. You come in in like late morning, early afternoon, you check in, but you don't leave the hotel. It's meant to be almost like a cruise experience. The only time you leave is on the middle day when you're out um, going into the Batu, the Galaxy's Edge, that you go out and you can ride the rides and do all that stuff. That it's like, oh, you landed at 
Batu in the spaceport and you go and you come back and then but on the inside though it's like you have droids walking like actually walking around and interacting with people it's supposed to be like the most over-the-top interactive like Holy you're gonna crap. do jedi training you're gonna do piloting ships you're gonna do like it's like something again one of those things that when it when it comes out it's gonna be the thing that has never been done before and is gonna make everything else just seem bad in comparison whoa yeah look for out and i wonder how covid 19 is going to impact that because 40 million people out of work whether whether or not the stock market's climbing or not eventually that's going to have an impact uh, right and they've actually that was one of the, the first things they actually resumed construction on believe it or not really they just uh, jump right back into it oh yeah they because they, they've officially started restarted all their construction in the last week because they even canceled well not canceled but delayed all that um, when COVID first started hitting, because you're not going to put the construction workers in the face of danger too for it. Um, now they've started to reopen their construction, but with that, what they look at it is that hotel is only going to have like 150 rooms or 200 rooms, something like that. Like it's a very small amount, and you're talking the premium, a premium price. Well, the people that can afford that are the ones that are probably going to be doing just fine with this crisis, anyways. Sure. So I think they're what they're looking at is where the money is going to be coming from. Um, Disney attendance has been going down the last few years, but their profits are, have never been higher because they just keep pricing out more and more people, um, which there can be a big discussion on that in terms of, you know, how that's all handled. But it's uh, they've, they've done that as a means of just crowd control because of how popular Disney's gotten somehow, even on a higher level in the last 10 years. And it's, when you you know when you're charging 170 something dollars for a single day ticket there's gonna be a lot of people that get excluded from that yeah so i tend to agree well that was it did you feel it that was that that awkward moment of silence (laughs) i think that's it i'll go i'll go ahead and call it there buddy i won't bother you for uh any more information do you know what what's that i'm looking at the uh stop recording icon in the top left of the screen and do you want to venture a guess at the time ticking at what it says what is it two minutes and 59 seconds currently oh no so i don't know how much it got well okay i will say this though um when you started clicking on to record it 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 showed that you've been recording the whole time yeah, and below your name, I see a timer that says 55 minutes, 30 seconds. So I think we're probably good. Okay. So when I end the recording, it should um, hang in there. I don't know what that timer there means, but whatever. Um, something I want to start doing that I haven't been doing is just a straight rip off of a, um, another podcast that my wife listens to. It's a true crime, a true Hollywood crime podcast. Mm. Um, they have been interjecting I, I don't listen to it unless she's listening to it i probably should because it's really good um uh what are you watching what are you reading what are you eating and you when we were in the crash pad in newark had some of the best recommendations for what to watch and i'm not kidding i still watch ozark i still watch a lot of the shows you recommended like that's some of my re-watching material just to fill the noise in the room you know so what's um, what's on your uh, watch list right now? Is there anything uh, sticking out? Well, something that I've recently finished was The Watchmen. Okay, I, I watched that too. Yeah. Okay, yeah, and I, especially considering the climate right now, that's yeah, pretty relevant. 
yeah, as present as you can get. Um, I'm trying to think. Um, and that's that's the thing, though, is with, like, you talk about the lockdown, is we've had so much time to watch stuff, and we've hardly watched anything. I'm telling you, man. I'm telling I you. I can't focus on a TV show right now. Yeah. Um, uh, for, for me, I just finished the uh, latest season of Ozark. Okay. Uh, that came out. Yeah, that was my favorite one. What about the reading material? I know you haven't been in the flight deck and had the downtime right. to read, but uh, yeah. anything you're picking up? Well, I've been doing the audiobooks actually for Harry Potter recently. Yeah. Um, I just I hadn't read them since basically early college. Yeah. And I've been wanting to kind of go back into it, and so I'm in. I'm finishing up Order of the Phoenix right now, um, which is also a certain medium that's kind of weird to take in right now, considering all the J.K. Rowling stuff. Yeah, it's. Uh, I, I have been kind of getting blimps that I, I don't want to look into it because I refuse to give up that part of my childhood and the impact those books had. But you know, I, I'm not happy with what her her views. I I don't know how to feel about that. It, there's some stuff I can send you of because there, there's a podcast that I listen to called Binge Mode. Okay. And what they do is they're from if do you know the sports site The Ringer? It's run by Bill Simmons. No. Uh, they so it's it's from a sports site where it's a a man and woman that they they've gone through and they they started with Game of Thrones, but I wasn't introduced to them until they did Harry Potter, where they went through chapter by chapter and did breakdowns in terms of the theming, the wider canon, the just impact of everything they had. And they went through chapter by chapter, book by book, each movie. They did some outer stuff in terms of like talking about Quidditch in the real world of how people do it. The uh, Wizarding World at uh, Universal and just the impact of what it's had. And, you know, they're they're both of them are pretty active politically, too. And, you know, when you consider the people that are fans of especially Harry Potter with the message it puts out, you can kind of guess where they lean with everything. Sure. And they finished that all before a lot of this started to come out. Yeah. Um, with Rowling. And they've addressed it since in terms of they're very unhappy as well. And I've been a part of the Facebook group for it. And there's about 30,000 people in it. And the entire premise of Harry Potter is about to be is about inclusion and fighting bigotry and oppression and everything. And then to have this is just like, a, you know, yeah, it's, I don't, I don't, it, if you stumble across this and I'll just say it, JK Rowling made some transphobic comments on social media. I think it was Twitter. It wasn't yeah. her first time of being accused of something like this or being called out for something like this from uh, the Harry Potter community. And I'm not going to say anything more about it because it's out of my wheelhouse. I don't know how to feel about it. Um, right. The Harry Potter world had a huge impact on my childhood. Yeah. Beside my nightstand right now, you'll find the Sorcerer's Stone because every night before bed, I read Sorcerer's Stone through Deathly Hallows every night before I sleep. That's a fact. I, I've i been doing that for I don't know how many years. That's just my bedtime reading because I've read it over and over and it puts me to sleep. Yeah. And I, I've been a fan. Um, it, it, it molded a lot of my uh, childhood because we grew up with it. Harry, yeah. uh, when he went to... Hogwarts. He was what eleven. Yep. And that was about the time, the age we were when the books came out. So we actually literally grew up with that and the movies yes. after that. And then Lord of the Rings and Star, the new Star Wars and all that stuff happened. But yeah, that was that was like our '70s generation Star Wars, right? That was yes. so impactful, it shaped so much. And to see like just some fucking fucking nonsense is all that all I can call it. Like right. I, I don't understand it. I it, I, it's, I don't know how to feel. I you know, and it's something that with with what the whole message behind Harry Potter was, it's created a massive fandom in the LGBTQ community in terms of 
what it's the books are saying. You know, it's different from what she's saying. And I've been reading a lot from these people of like of trans people and of just people in the community in general. And it's a lot of what you'd expect in terms of just heartbreak and disappointment. And there's been Sucks. a Yes. There's been a talk, though, about in terms of the premise of reclaiming the material from the source. Um, It's not the first time it's happened. I mean, Roald Dahl is a very celebrated um, writer, and he's, again, I don't know the full details of him, but he had made some, had some pretty rough views as well. And it's an interesting thing to look at because it's made a massive impact, and those things aren't going to go away in terms of what those ideals have instilled. Um, And the thing is, is people have reached out to her. People have tried to help educate her and have a conversation and and she's just shut it down. I don't know. I don't, I don't want to start this conversation, but do you think it's generational? Do you think it's like beaten into her? I, this, again, this was something I've read. So this is purely anecdotal. Yeah. But in terms of it, it's apparently a big movement, especially in England, for some reason, um, from people of a certain age in terms of just a, a generational of the whole concept of being a turf. And turf. it's trans or sorry, um, trans exclusive radical feminist that you're a feminist, but you are don't see transgender women as women. And, you know, oh, OK. Yeah. Yeah, uh, I'll, I'll cut it there because that is outside of either our purview as oh yeah, cis, cis sure. House. Yeah, I don't want to speak on that because that is sure. just that's that's yeah, over we, that's over my head. Yeah. As two straight white men, we're probably not the resources. Nope. Uh, <laughs> not not touching it. Not uh, touching it. The only thing I'll at least say is that Daniel Radcliffe came out and made a really good comment, which I was it. you I know, and, and through that source, um, I believe it's called the Zachary Project, the Tyler Project. Tyler, yeah. Um, that is uh, a really good resource to donate, and and they're a great organization, which I'm, at least for the time being, until something changes, I don't like the idea of spending money on something from J.K. Rowling. Well, I, sh- I just spent $100 at the Wizarding World at, at Universal, so at least for me in the time being, I'm going to try to limit or cut out spending from it, but if I do spend anything, I'm just going to make an equal donation, because I feel like, you know, yeah. people people are hurt by this and people are uh, people are actively getting hurt from someone that has that reach with, with with how many tens of millions of followers she has on Twitter that, you know, there may be people that have no, no opinion on it or had no idea of the issue. And if if she's saying these things, they're going to be swayed in a certain way. So it's, it, you know, when you have people with those reach, it does have a negative impact. So you have a responsibility as somebody who has that influence in the social, in, in the social realm. You do, yes. you do. Yeah. And you, so, you, ju- you just influenced the opinion that can cause harm to a lot of people. Yeah. Especially yeah. considering yeah. how difficult it is in that community yeah. of just everything. And it's to make, to have again with, with how important of an icon she is for our generation to do, that's a lot of damage to do. And I don't know if she'll ever be able to undo it if she has any intention to, because she's kind of victimized herself as this. And it's, uh, it's tough and it's, it's definitely rough to see. And, and it's, you know, it's a good community though, in terms of the whole Harry Potter fandom and how the reaction's been has just been 
the support and outreach to the trans community, which is great. And yeah. so I think that, you know, there, there can be a positive from it, but hopefully there can be some type of fix down the line from her aspect, because there's, there's a good me- message in those books. And, you know, hopefully, hopefully someday that, that she is better educated and understands it and then just kind of has a more positive impact on it. But I don't know. Ellen DeGeneres, save us. If you, well said, I'll just leave it there. Um, let's see coming up. I'm getting together with Michael Painter. Uh, we've been playing uh, a couple of board games. We want to do a couple of board game episodes. We have, um, a Star Wars uh, movie release board game, and we have a Terminator. Uh, Terminator... God, I can't remember which one, but it's a movie release board game, and it's uh, games they released to promo the movies. Oh, it's, it's, like, <laughs> it's like these really simple mechanics and like these really dumb objectives, but it's really cool, and we're going to get together and talk about that. But um, nice. Other than that, I want to get some social media together, just some like basic pages. Um, for instance, when you go to uh, Universal or Disney, I want you to throw it up there and any anything you can uh throw out there that might help people sure um, that are looking to go to the parks this isn't we're not looking to make any money off this or anything like that but anything you can do to like help people yeah um would be super super useful um yeah i know we started the uh what are you watching what are you reading what are you eating thing about five minutes ago uh we talked about what are you watching mm-hmm. um reading you said no right uh, just yeah, audio books, but I've been right. actively going through the Lord of the Rings books when I'm flying. So I'll be getting back to those finally this week. I, I, I won't go back down that road, but I tried and it was so difficult. Um, it was like reading Dickens. Like it's so descriptive. Um, what about, uh, eating? You've been cooking anything? Cause I've been trying to get better at my cooking lately. Yeah. We, that's been something we actually have been doing. Um, yeah. we, we've been going through at least just in terms of some of the, recipes we've liked from disney or other places um like for my birthday we were supposed to go to uh ohana which is at the polynesian there which that was back in april so that was all canceled um and so we did like our favorite restaurant there is le cellier which is the canadian steakhouse so we did their food and wine festival of their uh filet with the truffle butter sauce and i did that and it was it was awesome. It was like we did the, the sous vide and like it was like five hours of work in total. But yeah, it was great. That's amazing. Uh, was that in Epcot? Yes. Yes. Yeah. I, I, I've heard about the Canadian Steakhouse in Epcot. And the one time I went to Epcot, I went with Michael Thomas, who you'll meet someday. Mm. Um, we did the drinking around the world thing, which is the yep. non-official drinking around every quote country I guess, mm-hmm. represented in Disney. And we went the wrong way. Nobody told me this, and I figured this out on my own. We started in Canada. And yep. if you start in Canada, you finish in Mexico with a big-ass margarita. Yep. So you got to go the other way. <laughs> start in Mexico, work your way around to Canada, and finish mildly with a beer. And it was that was that was a rough journey, and that's really all I'll say about that. Yeah. It, it was a bit much. But um, I, haven't, I haven't experienced the food there. I think we stopped at a Chick-fil-A on the way. We might have grabbed some quick food while we were there, and then we left. I don't think we got anything. Oh, we did. We went to an Italian place. Um, oh, was man. it at, at Epcot? God. We drank around the world, man. I really don't remember. Okay. <laughs> I, I, I wish. 
right? That where you where you ate would have been in Epcot at least, though, right? I don't think it was. No. Okay. The thing is, there's actually like a ton of of Italian restaurants on Disney property. Well, Italian's easy, but yeah. God, I want to say it was maybe it was Magic Kingdom. There, they have one right inside the entrance called like Tony's Town Square or something. God, I wish I could. I wish you would jog my memory, but it's. I don't think it's there. Mm. I, my wife's in the other room. I could just probably just call out and ask her, but. <laughs> uh, let's see. What about food for you guys? Oh, food for us. Experimenting wise, um, we haven't done anything new, but um, Michael Thomas was down here from DC for like a month because everything shut down in DC. There's like no meetings or anything. He'd just be totally virtual. So he's like, I'm going to Florida. So he came down to Florida and he was staying with us and he showed me a way to do uh, steaks that I hadn't done before. And I'm sure everybody probably knows this, but like everything else is popular. I'm years behind. Mm. So it was um, salt and pepper, the crap out of them. Hang on a second. My wife is peeking in. Oh, there's an, there's a baby. What happened? Bath? Yeah. Oh no, a she bath. <laughs> Somebody's getting a bath. She got debunked. Oh no. But uh, <laughs> he did steaks, um, salt and pepper, the crap out of them, right? And then, like, every few minutes he would turn them and he would dab them with, like, a paper towel or something and get all the moisture out of it. Yeah. And then ca- I, I do mine in cast iron um, when I do them inside. And he did them in the pan. And it made like a really hot pan. And the way he did it, it made like a really nice crust on it. Mm-hmm. Right. These weren't like, these were like New York strips or something you get from like Costco or Publix or something like that. Right. Sure. But it came out like really, really good. And I've been trying to perfect that because that was better than what I was doing. And yeah. he would do like garlic. And if you have I think, what's thyme or parsley or whatever, people throw in the pan with them too. Mm. But I really liked that. And my, uh, my wife, uh, she turned me on to, some kind of green that I really like eating with salad, and I can't think of the name of it right now. Normal, uh, it's it's totally different than the usual iceberg lettuce you get in the South when you order a salad, but it, it was like this heartier green, maybe like a microgreen of some kind. It was just so good. And that's like our favorite meal lately. We've been eating the crap out of that. That and Publix brand frozen pizza classic crust. If you're a fan of frozen pizza like I am, yep. The Publix brand classic crust is about as good as you'll find, in my opinion. Oh, like, and I've, I've paid money for frozen pizza because I freaking love frozen frozen pizza. It's one of my guilty pleasures. But if you can get your hands on one of those, they're always gone, especially in the COVID environment around here. You can't get them because they're like five bucks or whatever. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Publix has been ravaged pretty much in terms of stock, at least by us. Target was worse, but uh yeah, Publix is finally just catching up at our place. Like, I actually saw toilet paper and paper towels in stock for the first time. <laughs> but, yeah, it's uh, it's getting there. It but. is. All right, tell you what, uh, that's about an hour, and I'll probably cut some of, that, I'll sit, uh, some of it out in editing. So we'll go ahead and call it there. I'll do an outro. Thank you so much for listening. If you made it this far, God bless you. I know it's not easy. All the technical errors, I'll try to <laughs> edit them out as best I can. Again, I had no script for any of this because it was my first time back, and I just wanted something light and chatty. 
um, and not a real heavy conversation because, well, shit's really hard for everybody right now. Um, please uh, be good to each other. Try to have a little empathy, which requires curiosity and learning in our current environment in uh, June of 2020. Um, shit's really weird right now. If you uh, keep up with everything that's going on, um, I won't speak to it too heavily because no amount of education will let me understand what it's like to be a person of color in the United States. So I'll just leave it at that. Empathy is important. Um, any final thoughts for you? Um, not a whole lot. Just to make a quick correction from before, it's called the Trevor Project. Trevor, what did I say? Tyler? Yeah, and I said Zach. So I, we were both. Oh, wow. So, See, uh, that's why we don't dive into that kind of stuff. Because, yes. well, yeah, the Trevor Project. And I yes. will try to make a note of that maybe in the beginning when I'm editing. Fair enough. All right. Um, I will call it there. Thank you so much for listening. Um, I promise I will keep more consistent content coming. And I will leave it at that. Bonus track. Have you listened to the Have you listened to the previous episodes? Not yet. I need to. Um, yeah. I say I haven't listened to anything. All my podcasts are because I only do it when I'm driving, and we haven't been driving, um, or when I'm showering. But then I got caught back up in the books again. Uh, and, yeah. But I'm with I'm starting on Friday, and I'm only doing day trips this month, except for one. Oh, I guess it's that's your that's your life. <laughs> Yeah. But uh, I'm so I, – I don't do day trips because I – when I was living up in Chicago, I was an hour and a half away, 65-mile drive. That that wasn't an option. Now here I'm 20 minutes, right. so I might start doing that more. So I'm going to yeah, pick back up this week and just try to get something going because, yeah, it's been it's been a weird few months. Well, right out there as long as you can and be the senior dog just doing the day trips. But um, when, yeah. I was, when I was flying and I first got into podcasting – listening to podcasts rather i would listen to um uh bigger pockets that's a real estate investing podcast and i would i, I would absorb all that and before that it was um stand-up comedy on pandora i, yeah. I would listen to like all kinds of stand-up and that's how i got into like listening to all these different stand-up comics and like getting into that whole world that was so cool learning what all those how coming up through all that stuff that was really cool but um yep. uh, now it's mostly um podcast on a, a ue boom bluetooth speaker or something like that in the shower like you do but uh, the day trip thing makes it kind of hard to uh keep caught up in my listening like it's only the drive to and from work or when right. the baby and the wife are out of the house yep um speaking of the comedian thing for a show that i'd recommend it was on hbo it got canceled after three seasons but it like it ended in a way that you could be say it's an ending it's called crashing oh um, yeah pete holmes yeah yeah yeah, yeah i saw that one yeah. I like Pete Holmes a lot. I, I, again, in my early or my couple of years back in our previous airline, I would listen to Pete Holmes a lot. He was one of my go-to's. Yeah, yeah. That, was, that was a fun show. Um, yeah, I was trying to think of other like I've just been. I haven't watched any shows lately. Um, what we do in the shadows is great. Love that. Um, we haven't watched any of season two yet though, because we tend to be the ones where we don't like to watch on a weekly basis. 
Uh, we wait yeah. for it to end and then binge it, which I think yep. it's ending this week, actually, for season two. I think you're right. What, what about the movie? You watch that? Oh, God. I, I didn't watch it for the first time until a couple years ago. Me neither. And I've watched it four times since. It's so good. It's and, so good. Like, that's one of the best comedies ever made. It is so... And the series... God, oh. they, they, they stayed so true. And even they brought in the old cast and mm-hmm. in one of the episodes, Danny Trejo's in that one, for fuck's sake. If you yep. got Danny Trejo, it's so good. Oh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I love it. it it's, it's a good time for TV right now in general. I still need to get caught up in Better Call Saul. I haven't... Uh, I'm in, like, season two or three still. Um, yeah, there's. I still haven't watched Chernobyl. Chernobyl was good. I, I recently restarted uh, Better Call Saul. I'm on. I just started season two on that. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I actually finished the current season because I just paid for it because I was in love with the show and I did a episode with it uh, with Dave uh, David on the Geek Garage podcast. I don't know if I sent you that or not. Um, it's another podcast. We talked about that show. Um, he just does. He has a real shotgun approach like we do. You know, yeah. he does anything and everything. But yeah, we talked about that show. Uh, Anything else is jumping out that we've been that I've been diving into. I get a lot of uh, Real Housewives because the wife uh, watches Real Housewives. So. I, yeah. I like the I like the Atlanta series. I've heard really good. Th- I have not watched that yet. I really want to. Um, <clears throat> some of like the big like I've never watched The Sopranos, which I know I need to. I've never watched The Wire. I know I need to. Never um, watched that. I've never watched any of the, the probably one of the biggest movie. I've never watched any of the Godfather movies. Have you really? Yeah, and I've watched. A t- I mean, I've worked in the theater for three years, and I've watched like a million movies, and for some reason, I've just never got around to watching them. Um, which the I Godfather ones, the Godfather ones are amazing. They're gonna make you want to eat Italian food. Yeah. Um, at least that was my, that was the effect it had on me. The Sopranos, it's for as old as it is. I can't remember when it first came out. Early two thousands, I think. Just off the top of my head, right? It was so well made i thought and, mm. and i watched it like two years ago for the first time and i binged it and it's a it's a lot yeah me wrong, but it doesn't get old for me it didn't and it was right. weird because like after three or four seasons it's like okay you'd think it would peter off but it just didn't right i i liked that one a lot that was cool mm-hmm. um another really good when the new season got delayed but fargo if you've seen the show i think that's one of the ones i recommended to you is that was yeah yep. Um, the new you one betcha. looks interesting. Oh, yeah. Oh, you betcha. Um, <laughs> Chris Rock is the lead in the new season. Uh, I don't, I've don't. i only seen what's on Hulu. Yeah, no, no, it's not out yet. It was supposed to be out, I think, in April, but it got delayed with COVID, with the editing and everything. Um, but it's Rock, like, Does he play an antagonist or protagonist? Do you know? I don't know. It's not really certain yet. So it's, it's set, I think, in 1950. Um, right around there, and it's in Kansas City between like a riot, like it's it's a Chris Rock is ahead of the like a local black gang, and then there's a Italian gang, and they're kind of warring over turf yeah. or whatever. And uh, it looks and it's gonna so you know, but in the show they keep referring to Kansas City as like this like upper management in in terms of like some of the the criminal aspects and stuff. Right. So that's okay. gonna have some connection to first i guess season two since i was set in the 70s and then so you're you're caught up right 
Yeah. Oh, yeah. Okay. So, spoiler alert for anybody who happened to stumble across this podcast and make it to the bonus track, which is going to be like a minute delay. What is with the fucking aliens? <laughs> I don't know. It it was so out. Like there was hints throughout the whole time. Like they're not going to do it. And then then. Uh, uh, yeah, they fucking did it. And a UFO <laughs> shows up. I don't know, but that season is my favorite one. You like I, that one the best? Yes. It's. Season, I mean, but they're all like season one was phenomenal. Yeah. And and three was really good, but not as good as one and two, I think. Uh, and I really like Ewan McGregor. That's when he played the twin or not twins, but just brothers. Right. Um, but two, I don't know, just two with just with uh, Patrick Wilson and then uh, what's his name? Oh God. Terrible. He's in in the good place and Cheers. Um, Boy, you're asking the wrong guy. I'm so bad with actors' names. I'm in, like, I don't know. I guess it's not, uh, I'm I'm just going to look it up because I'm embarrassed right now. It's a very iconic person. Like Uh, my wife says, Google it. Yeah. Where is it? And then, of course, when I, like, pull it up, normally it has, like, all the pictures across. Oh, uh, Ted Danson. There we go. Ted Danson. Okay, yeah, I know what you're talking about now. Um. Yeah, I don't know. I just, the aesthetic of it all was just perfect. And with, uh, I don't know, I liked it a lot. It was it was all fucking great. It, did you notice, um, God, I'm going to try to pull deep into the recesses of my brain, the Better Call Saul connections to Fargo in, in terms of actors who played in both series? Jesse Plemons was in both. Um, of course you did. Of course you would. Don't you, who else would have been in both? I don't know. Who played Chuck? I forget his name. Chuck. Uh, uh, Jimmy's brother, Chuck. Charles McGill. Oh, 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 oh. oh. Um, oof. I forget his name. Mike. Something Kane. Mike McKean, I think. Mike McKean, yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. He, uh, I think... I'm I am 99.9% sure because I screenshot it and I sent it to David and I was like, is that is that Chuck? And he's like, I don't know. It looks like him. And I was like, it sounds like him too. But if you go on the IMDb for McKean, it is a thousand pages. Like you have to dig. And I lost interest trying to dig through his record. He has huh. been around. Interesting. Yeah. I, I am 99.9% sure here. If I have it uh, in my text thread, I'll I'll, I'll send it to you. Okay. But it was it was uh, in the season with um. Uh, God, what what was the main character's name in one in uh, season one? Uh, that would have been was it Lester? Lester, yeah. It it, it was a scene with Lester when he bought the shotgun. Uh, it was like a flashback. Okay. And, uh, McKean played the salesman who sold him the gun. Oh, interesting. Yeah, I sw- I swear to God, it's him. It's gotta be. And if it's not, then. God strike me down. There's a lot of guys that have that that look. Um, like I thought for the longest time that in in Better Call Saul, and, well, in the Breaking Bad, the 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 vacuum cleaner, the fixer. The, yeah. Um, I thought that was Arlie Emery for the longest time, but it wasn't. It was. Uh, I wish the I guy could say I knew who that was. That he was the the drill instructor in. Oh my goodness, the uh, Stanley. Uh, not Apocalypse Now. Um, the Kubrick um, Vietnam movie. Oh, uh, Full Metal Jack? Yeah. 
he was the he was the drill instructor at the beginning. He was an actual drill instructor, and they brought him on just as an advisor to for the for the <laughs> military stuff. And the guy was so bad that they're like, "We'll just use you instead." And they and that started his acting career. And then he had like the show on History Channel and everything. And I thought I don't, that was, I don't think that's the same guy. It's not. No, no. The guy that played it with, uh, that played the vacuum cleaner salesman was Robert Forster, which he died like the day that the um, El Camino came out. Okay. The the just the one with the movie that followed up the show. Yeah. But and he was in. Um, did you watch uh, Twin Peaks? No. That's one you should. Um, it originally ran in the early 90s, like 90, 91, two seasons, it got canceled. And then they made like a third season, like three years ago. And it's one of the most outrageous shows you'll ever see. It's weird. It's like if you combined like an FBI detective show with X-Files, but way quirkier and darker. Um, Okay. It's a bizarre show, but it's amazing, and I cannot recommend it enough. It's David uh, Lynch. Yeah, I might check it out once I finish uh, Better Call Saul again. I'm one of those people that I, I have to finish a show that I'm watching. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I, I can't, I can't watch two things at once. Yeah. And actually, that's what I've been watching is the um, – I just was blanking on it, um, Shit's Creek. And yeah, I, um, I tried. I, I, I genuinely tried. It's a I, tough start. Yeah, in a tough middle for me. I don't know why I petered out. The, the, the thing is, is like, for me, like I didn't like it at first because the characters are all just terrible at the beginning. Yeah. Um, and, and the one I didn't hate was Moiva. And she's the one I, for the longest time, I liked the least. Yeah. But for, for some reason, she just hung in there. But everybody else, I was just like, nah, yeah. And I it, it it grew on me. I'm in the fifth season now, and then I'm watching the Clone Wars show for Star Wars. I've heard that's and it's good. I'm almost done with it. Um, and then I'm gonna try Rebels because with that binge mode podcast, they're doing Star Wars now, or they did it, and I'm trying to watch the show so I can listen to the podcast and actually understand what they're talking about. Yeah. What's it called? Binge mode? Yeah, it's yeah. Uh, solely dedicated. They've only done so far Game of Thrones, Harry Potter, and, and Star Wars in terms of like. Just the breakdown of everything, theming, the impact of what they've had on pop culture, and it's really good. Oh, check it out. 